Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Let me just take a minute here to say when we say around the world, that's exactly what we mean. Data shows that our listeners here in the U.S. compose 71%. In Europe, we have 16% of our listeners, Asia, 6%, Africa, 2%, South America, 1%, and the other remaining are scattered other places around the world. So let me say thank you, all of you, for uh, listening to the podcast. Our topic today is false and misinformation. How do we combat misinformation? How quickly do we need to respond to minimize misinformation's damage? How can we track these false messages and what steps are needed to deliver and correct the information, getting it to the right places? My guest today is Lauren Lawson Zalai, Senior Director of Public Relations for Goodwill Industries International, and she joins us today from the headquarters in Rockville, Maryland. Lauren has personal experience with misinformation attacks and developing a rapid and calculated response. Lauren is the recipient of PR News' PR Professional of the Year in the Association of Nonprofit category, PR News' Top Women in PR, and winner of the PRSA's Washington, D.C. chapter and Platinum Awards winner for continued service to the chapter. Now, she is also president of PRSA's Washington, D.C. chapter and serves on PRSA's National Voices for Everyone Committee to Combat Fake News and Misinformation, and she has many other accomplishments. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Peter. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you. Look, why don't we start by having you sort of give us an overview of the problem that you had at Goodwill in terms of information and then let's go into the steps that you took to combat it and correct the misinformation that had been put out. Sure. So Goodwill is a leading workforce provider in the world. And a lot of people don't realize that. They think of the brand as doing something good and they recognize the stores. But we use all the revenue from the stores and funnel that right back into communities to provide job training and employment placement 
and support services like childcare, transportation, what have you. We joke and say that we were really the victims of false news in the early 2000s. We were dealing with a rumor called Think Before You Donate, where we and other nonprofits were mentioned that in an email that started off in 2005 and eventually morphed into a graphic on social media. And it claimed that we had an owner, which we don't, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. And it also said this particular owner was making an exorbitant amount of money, which is not aligned with our mission or really our operations. So this is something that we've been fighting for 16 years, which is a a very long time. And we've just seen this really increase in a time of unrest and incivility in our society. Mm -hmm. So once you, let's say going back to the beginning, once you recognize this was out, out there, what were some of the initial steps you took to try to correct what was incorrect? Is the, probably the one way of putting it. Right. So we took a number of steps. We first created a graphic with a false stamp across it, and we thought that would make the situation go away. And we learned quickly that that would not stop it. So we did a number of efforts that you would do to combat rumors. We wrote a post for Snopes and Fact Check. We had conversations with the other nonprofits mentioned. We reached out to Media Matters for America, to the News Literacy Project, to groups that really focused on fake news. But at the time, they were more focused on the political arena. And I think that has evolved and changed in recent years. And we requested corrections where the rumors would appear and reached out to media outlets. Our work has really evolved in recent years because this has become so prevalent in our society. So we have reached out and had conversations with the legal counsel at various social channels. Uh, We've done a lot of speaking engagements at, um, I would say it was close to three years ago, we really saw this just reaching a critical point where media outlets, small understaffed media outlets, and funders and partners were not supporting Goodwill because they were believing this to be true. Mm-hmm. And one thing that your audience should be aware of is that we are a membership organization. We're a federated model, and we have 156 Goodwills, boots on the ground. They're all nonprofit, independent headquarters, and they have their own CEO. They're serving local communities. So why they are operating stores and donation centers in their area they are very much serving as first responders to local communities. And so it was important for my office, the international office, to be supporting these local organizations and making sure that they were not losing out on funding opportunities or anything that could support their critical mission. Now, when you mentioned going after corrections, how much cooperation did you get when particularly, let's say, when you maybe went to some social media, presented them with the facts to say that, you know, this is being posted, it's not correct, need to take it down? How do you handle that that sort of thing? It's interesting that you ask that because I think it really depends on the audience. So for a media outlet, they it's kind of, it just comes down to journalist integrity and 
I think any PR person, if they're not going to get a correction from a reporter, then they'll take it up to the editor. So we didn't really face challenges there. There were some national news outlets. And again, I think this has just become more prevalent with the AP and the New York Times really focusing on fact-checking and New York Times has something called daily dissertations where they're tracking false information. So they wanted to write articles about it, but the challenge is that uh, American Red Cross and Salvation Army and UNICEF are mentioned in this graphic. So in order to get a national media story or appearance, they want all groups to come to the table. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that the other groups have, they all have uh, damaging information about them, but not to the extent about goodwill. The other challenge that we faced is if people are posting on our page or posting about it on social media, we have a kind of a three times you're out rule. So we will engage with someone. The challenge is that people just didn't believe it to be true or they want to see a third party validate that it is false. And I think that's where spokespeople just really come in handy or influencers mm -hmm. that can amplify your message. And it just goes back to trust. People trust a third party than they might a talking head. So we've seen some challenges where people just don't believe it. Others will thank us. And I think that there are just people out in the social media space that you could continually tell them that the grass is green or the sky is blue and they will continually push back and tell you that's false. So I think you just, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> you have to, you have to focus on the, the people that are, you know, will be reasonable. And then there are going to be the social media trolls that are just not worth their time and effort. One of the things you did mention was uh, using influencers. How do you go about identifying your influencers to help you deliver the message you want delivered? We started working with influencers three years ago, and we did that two ways. We were working with Ad Council on a PSA campaign, and they have a program called Creators for Good. So we utilize their influencers. And then we started our own program, and we did this really all manually. So we looked at particularly Instagram and the hashtags that people were using and people that were generally already talking about Goodwill, that were Goodwill shoppers, that just authentically believed in our mission. And we utilized them to post about different observances and donated retail goods campaigns and looking at things like Halloween or spring cleaning to really get our message out. And we have seen a high conversion rate in terms of people that didn't know about our mission and now support us. And also an increase in our Instagram channel where I think it was a, a more than 200% increase. So we've seen a significant growth there. Where I would like to be is having a an influencer who is willing to basically defend our brand and make that a full-time initiative. So not just someone who's actively promoting us, but who is willing to be on record and continually fight against and combat any false news about us. Mm -hmm. uh, and one way that we are looking to do that is look at TikTok and see how we can have a presence on there. Because a lot of our influencers have transitioned from uh, Instagram to TikTok. 
one of the other things I wanted to ask you is how do you go about tracking misinformation? What systems or programs do you have in place that set off an alarm when something is not quite right? We had to change our social media tracking system, and we started using a system called TalkWalker. That's one word. And they specialize in tracking a graphic. So that was very helpful to being able to know when this graphic was being posted. We've had issues where celebrities have even shared the graphic thinking it was true or just very influential personalities. And so that has been helpful in that regard. And then we also use Cision to track any type of media stories. But again, we have seen the most usage of the graphic on Facebook. And I will say, despite having conversations with Facebook, we mobilized our network. So think of 140,000 Goodwill employees who any time they're seeing this are marking it as false news. There's an option to do that on Facebook. But we didn't necessarily see that as an effective tactic to make that go away. Mm -hmm. It was really when we started creating social media graphics and still graphics and videos, long and short form videos and LinkedIn post articles to make it look like a unified campaign, that's when we really saw the difference. And another tactic we used was a landing page where we reinforced the message about our donations. We emphasized our stewardship and we showed our GuideStar Platinum status emblem, our annual report, things like that. We just very much believe in transparency as a nonprofit and a human services provider. And we improved our SEO. So that's when we really saw uh, that anyone looking for information about this rumor were pointed to our factual page rather than rumor mill websites. And that's when we've seen this start to turn around. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I noticed in your article, you said that you've created digital assets for your network of local uh, Goodwills to use. Do those assets include some of the things that you've just listed and some instruction as to how to best implement what you've given them? Yes. So you bring up a good point because I think for anyone that just works for a membership-based association, you know that every market is different and there are going to be different messages that resonate with different audiences and just a different level of sophistication. Some Goodwills have a studio at their offices. They have a five-person Marcom team. Others the CEO might be leading the marketing. Uh, others, it's a combined fundraising, resource development, marketing position. So every market is different. And we provide consultations. That's a big part of my role. We had webinars. We worked with an outside digital agency called Social Driver. And we also provided template content, especially with the LinkedIn Pulse pieces, because we didn't want 156 Goodwills to be putting out something that was identical. We really wanted them to tweak it for their markets and have their own style and voice come through because that's really what was going to be appealing to their local markets. Mm -hmm. We also provided them with fact sheets, talking points, key messages, different ad copy, and we 
really worked with them to focus on their retail employees and training them because that's often your most public facing employees are the ones that have the interaction with the customers. So we were able to work with them to help inform consumers head on. Now, when you say uh, the retail folks, did you put them, have a class for them to go to and say, here are some of the things that are being said, here are some of the, the appropriate responses? How did you handle that? We did have training for them and we have something called My Goodwill, which is our internal uh, intranet for employees. But in this case, that's often going to the VP at the local level. So we really had to drill down because the store employees might not be logging into that site. And in that case, we had to be sure that we were getting in front of them and working with them directly. And because of that, we have been looking at an employee ambassador program. And I know that's just one piece of advice that I would give to, especially to nonprofits and associations is if you mobilize and really drive the passion of why you're working for a certain organization, I I think that can help you just in terms of brand familiarity and dealing with misinformation and rumors, because if your employees believe in your brand and can vocalize it, they're really the hyper-local spokespeople for you. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, a couple of other things you mentioned when you're talking about developing effective responses, you, you, you mentioned celebrate wins and also celebrate <laughs> complaints. Give us an overview of how you define each of those. Sure. So I think that You know, sometimes you can just, especially if you're the social media manager, you can just get bogged down with, and this is anyone, with some of the complaints that come through. And so I think it's really important to just celebrate when you are able to turn the tide on on someone's opinion. And one of the phrases that I used was, and I actually borrow this from a local Goodwill PR counterpart, but it's be like ducks on water because I know personally when I am looking at comments or things that are really untrue about Goodwill, I just, it's hard not to get emotional. And so you just, you really have to keep your emotions in check and just continue to point to factual items or third-party websites. I mean, we've had the opportunity to blog on Ad Council. I've had PR experts in the industry that have written about this for Huffington Post or for Medium. So they're advocating for us. So it's really just pointing to those third-party validators and being sure that you, you take the time to celebrate if you have been able to turn an opinion around, but also if there is a complaint just that is valid, taking that feedback. We all value, get value from candid feedback or information that will ultimately improve our brand. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that you said, uh, you, you, as you said before, you, you mentioned like ducks on the water, I understand that, but you also mentioned not to basically saying fly off the handle, to breathe, take a moment before you start typing. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> yes, definitely. Take a moment, reread the post or comment to ensure that you understand. Again, I think all of us are guilty of just reading a email or a comment on social and automatically wanting to respond. And 
you know, the, the whole ducks on water phrase, you know, you might be paddling like mad and, and fit to be tied under the surface, but you have to look smooth on the surface and mm-hmm. you have to thank someone for taking the time to share. You have to correct any inaccuracies, give them a path for following up. And like I said, again, everyone's different, but we have three times route rules. So we try to respond at least three times in a public manner. And if we have to, we'll take it offline. But if someone is just being blatantly rude or inconsiderate or using inappropriate language, then, you know, we might have to block that person or not respond. Mm-hmm. But it all depends on the consideration that is being used in communication. Now, after you've done all of the work and the outreach and the influences and so forth and so on, how do you go about measuring your success? We defined our measurement by the reach and impressions of our content. So looking at the shares of content, including the LinkedIn Pulse articles, looking at anecdotal engagements, people refuting the rumor on their own, influencers spreading the message for us, mentions of websites, social media handles, the percentage of people talking about us positively or negatively, the web traffic that I mentioned to our landing page. So that was when we first launched our digital first campaign, we saw more than 80% of the traffic going to our landing page than rumor mill websites. Today, I want to say that's a little more than 70%. So that has been our measurement. What we're doing moving forward is we surveyed all of our goodwills to understand what kind of value they're putting into ad campaigns so that they're spend so that we can go back to Facebook and say, our collective network is spending X amount of money. What can you do to help us? And we've also started an online viral rumor management advisory group. So working with key stakeholders across our goodwill so we can continue to combat this. And we've had a lot of success with Think Before You Donate. We have certainly seen a decrease of public shares. That has, we've been really successful with our strategy. I can't speak to what's happening in closed Facebook groups, but I can speak to what is being publicly shared. Where we've seen some challenges are just, especially with Facebook, it's a public forum. So people may have a negative experience at a Goodwill, or they might, speak about an experience that what they're sharing is not accurate or exaggerated. And so that can quickly blow up very quickly. And, and so that's a situation we were dealing with, or even there was one situation where a gentleman said he really wanted his five minutes of fame and was very public about that and wrote something about us online that was false. And we had to take the higher road and, just issue a statement, but we we didn't come out and really say how this person was in a sense attacking us. But what that resulted in was people copying and pasting his post and posting it as their own. Mm-hmm. And that has been a challenge because when you have a number of impressions or people that are posting something in their voice, but it did not actually happen to them, uh, that's a major challenge. Well, let me say this, Lauren, you have given us an awful lot of information today. Is there anything that you think we should have covered that we may have missed? I would say 
there are a number of articles and resources out there. Uh, you had mentioned that I'm on the Voices for Everyone PRSA group and just want to encourage everyone to look at that site because that focus is on DEI, on disinformation, on civility. And as communicators, we should all be focusing on that for our clients, for our personal and professional reputations. It's so critically important right now. I think that what has happened with the recent election, there has been, Twitter has certainly changed their stance about labeling tweets as containing disputed and potentially misleading information. So there are a lot of resources and articles about there out there. And I would say as a brand, whether you're a nonprofit or for-profit, Invest in relationships with trusted media outlets, look to your allies, create content that is really engaging and accessible, do your storytelling, and make sure that your branding is really different and stands out. Well, Laurie, thank you so very, very much for joining us today. I want to thank my guest today for all of this great information. Lauren lawson Zalai, Senior Director for Public Relations at Goodwill Industries International. I believe that you provided our listeners with a great deal of information, useful information, which is what we like to do here. And to my listeners, let me say to you, thank you for listening. Uh, We certainly would like to get a review from you. And also let your friends know that they too should listen to the Public Relations Review Podcast. Thank you, and we'll see you soon. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.